start my presentation this morning by telling you that you are blessed by your God. And the word blessed is not Cadillacs raining from the sky and the bank making a mistake and putting $50,000 in your bank account. That's not what blessing means. The scripture defines blessing, if you're a note taker, as the supernatural ability to succeed over adversity. Say it with me. The supernatural. That means it's spiritual. It means God takes something in the spirit and puts it on your natural ability. The supernatural. Say it. Ability to succeed over adversity. It doesn't mean that adversity will not come. It just means that we have something that the rest of the world doesn't have. We have a divine enablement from God put on us that even when we go through adversity, no matter how intense the adversity is, we always rise above the things that takes everybody else around us out because we have the supernatural ability to succeed over adversity. It's called the blessing of God. Say, I am blessed. In Psalms chapter 1, David is teaching a class on blessing because blessing can be given, but it has to be maintained. Woo! Lost the crowd. I said, God gives the blessing, but your responsibility in it is to maintain it. And there are some blessing blockers. So David is teaching how to remove the blessing blockers so that the blessing will keep on flowing. And he starts by saying in verse 1, Blessed is the person who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. He said that God will bless you by simply knowing whose counsel to reject. Now every day, in every way, people are presenting their counsel to you. You live with people that are always offering you counsel. Skip over that. <laughs> you work with people that are always offering you counsel. You watch television shows that are offering you counsel. Counsel's coming at you all the time. But David says you will be blessed if you refuse to walk in any counsel that's ungodly. Now, ungodly doesn't mean satanic. You don't have to be a demon or have a witch's hat on to be giving me ungodly counsel. The only thing you have to do to give me ungodly counsel is to say something to me about my life and my future that does not line up with what God has said about me. The moment you contradict what God has said about me, you become the counsel of the ungodly. And David, will, David said, you're blessed if you don't walk in it I won't ever tithe it or know you are blessed by the blessing of the most high God God promised and made a covenant in his word to pour out his blessing on you I'll dare you let the counsel of the ungodly block the blessing you've heaped upon yourself by bringing God the tithe don't you dare let crazy people in your life who don't even know how to drive their own life get in the driver's seat of your life and tell you what to do God gave us his word to instruct us to direct us to point us in the the right position don't let the counsel of the ungodly block your blessing now you can't stop it from coming people say crazy stuff to you all the time you can't stop it from coming but you can stop yourself from walking in the foolishness that they said blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly 
Number two, nor stands in the path of sinners. When he says path or way, he's talking about pathology. He's talking about the habits, the habitual things, the positions you stand in. He's not saying that you'll never sin and that you're going to be this perfect individual. He's saying remove yourself from a sinful pathology. Remove yourself from circles of people that when you get with them, the only thing you do is sin. Now we've all got those people in our life that bring out that thing in us. Why y'all looking at me like you don't have no thing in you? I said we've all got people in our lives. We can be totally normal doing great and then get around them. It's just something comes up out of us. He said you will be blessed if you remove yourself from sinful circles. If you remove yourself from the pathologies of sin. There's a difference in a just man walking and stumbling and falling into sin. And then getting up. There's a difference in that. And then just go sitting yourself down in a position of sin and living and wallowing in it. And he said there's a blessing in sanctifying your life and sanctifying your path and sanctifying your way. And cutting some connections off and distancing yourself from relationships that the only thing the relationship produces is sinful behavior. Oh, I just said a thing. I said there's a blessing in distancing yourself from relationships that the only thing the relationship produces is sinful behavior. Does it stand in the path of sinners? Number three, does it sit in the seat of the scornful? Scornful means full of scorn or full of bitterness. Don't congregate with bitter people. Because if you listen to bitterness long enough, bitterness will pollute your blessing. I'm going to say it again. I stumbled on my words. If you listen to bitterness long enough, bitterness will pollute your blessing. Here's why. Overly negative people and bitter people are actually idolaters. They've made an idol out of yesterday. They've made an idol out of what happened to them in the past. They made an idol out of their abuse and their hurts. And now they make everybody in their life congregate around them and bow down to the idol of their past. And why do I say they've made it an idol? Because they believe more in what happened in their past. They're affected more by the power of the past than they believe in the God of their future. And when you have a future ahead of you, you cannot afford to congregate with people who are always bowing down and worshiping what happened yesterday. I'm like this because of what happened. I'm like this because I got fired 10 years ago. I'm like this because my father wasn't in the house when I was raised. I'm like this because I got hurt. No, when you know you have a future and a destiny in God, you have to cleanse your ears of the toxic mess of other people's bitterness. And you have to make the decision, I'm going forward with God. Because the God I serve has more power to bless me in my todays and my tomorrows than the devil had the power to hurt me in my yesterday. I am going forward and I refuse to congregate in the seat of the scornful now the Bible says pastor Rico to write the vision make it plain that the reader may 
run with the vision. But here's the problem. There's a lot of us that are running with the vision of being blessed and having God's purpose in our life. And we start out running. But then we get the counsel of the ungodly and it takes you down to a, a walk. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Why? Because the counsel of the ungodly will take you from running. But then the next step gets worse. Nor stands in the path of sinners. You started running with the vision. Counsel of the ungodly made you walk. Sinful circles got you standing. And what the enemy really wants you to do is to sit in the seat of the scornful. See, the devil don't mind you coming to church. He just don't want you running out of here and running in your life with the faith that you get in here. The devil don't mind you coming to church and shouting and clapping and dancing as long as in your life you are in a seated position, not moving forward, not doing anything, not going after anything, not aggressively pursuing anything. The devil wants to take you from running to sitting. And the devil can't stop you from being blessed. And he sure as hell can't stop God from blessing you. So he will try to seduce you to stop running by your own decisions. Constantly introduce you to the counsel of the ungodly. Constantly try to lure you into the path of sinners. Constantly try to get you to congregate and sit down in the seat of the bitter and scornful. David said, don't do it. You'll be blessed by things you don't do. You didn't hear me? I said you can be blessed by things you don't do. Then he turns his attention and he says, well, in summary, blesses man who walks out in the council of the ungodly, understands the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but, always turns on a but, but his delight, his focus is in the law the word of the lord and in that law in that word does he meditate day and night now the word of god in meditation and study every day will bless you as a believer you have got to get the word in you every day if you listen to the word of God and you meditate on what you heard every day, that word will bless you on the inside and the outside. And some of you may say, I have a hard time studying my Bible. That's okay. A lot of people do. Go on Facebook Live or live stream. On your Facebook app or your live stream app, on your phone or on your computer, and pull up the messages I'm preaching here. And if you can't study your Bible, study with me as I preach. But get the word in you every single day. The word of God will make you prosperous. He says, the person who delights in the law of the Lord will be, watch this, like a tree. Planted by the rivers of water. The word planted speaks of stability. Some of you, for so many years, your life has been up and down, high and low. Just been like a crazy merry-go-round. There's been no stability. 
If there's been no stability, it means there's been no steady diet of the Word of God. There's been no meditating on it every day and every night. Because the promise is, if you get in the Word every day and you meditate on it, God will make your life stable. You will be planted like a tree. So planted speaks of stability. By the rivers of water speaks of resources. Trees in the desert have to rely on the rain. Trees planted by the river of water never encounter a time that they don't have access to the resources that they need to grow. In other words, the word will make you stable and the word will cause you to never lack the resources you need in your life to grow. You'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. You are guaranteed to have a fruitful season in God. You are guaranteed to have a time where God blows your mind with blessing. And I came prophetically to tell some of you today is the beginning of your fruitful season. The barren season is over. Branches without fruit is over. God intends for you to be fruitful. And for about 40 people, it starts today. I wish I knew who you were. I'd come shake your blessed hand. But for 40 people, it starts today. Day. Say it's my season. Say it's my time. And for those of you that have been waiting a long time and you've been faithful, and when you hear those kind of prophetic words from me, you roll your eyes in the spirit. I draw your attention to Galatians 6, 9, where the apostle says, Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not the devil's been trying to get you to faint and fall away from your faith in god the enemy and people have been ganging up together against you trying to wear out your hope that things will ever change but god said in his word if you will refuse the urge to faint if you will resist the urge to quit you will stand long enough to see god take you by the hand and pull you into a fruitful season this is your fruitful season they your right hand on your head and say I command you to be fruitful now give God a praise if you believe I said give God a praise if you believe it I believe this thing I believe this thing I believe it's my time my family's time my church's time my city's time I believe this thing I know what it's like to go through a barren season. I know what it's like to go through a season where there ain't no fruit falling from the tree. But to all the people that have endured those kind of times, God said from this day, I will bless you. Going to bring forth his fruit in his season. He ain't done. His leaf also. Now he brings up the leaf. The leaf, Lionel, ain't got nothing to do with the fruit. The leaf is just the covering for the tree. God said, I'll put my hand on your leaf. 
so that whether you're in a fruitful season or not, you're always covered. Anybody in the room that knows what it's like to have God cover you? In season and out of season, high times and low times, good times and bad times. And see, if we're not careful, we get so focused on the fruit of the blessing that we ignore the blessing of the leaf. It's a blessing to be able to walk in here this morning. It's a blessing to have eyes and ears that work that can see me and hear me. It's a blessing to have the brightness of your mind. It's a blessing that we have a place like this to come in and be encouraged and hear the word of the Lord. I want the fruit, but God, I want to stop and thank you for the covering and sustaining power of the leaf. You never left me. You never forsook me. I may not have always run over, but I have never run out. You've been there for me. You sustained me in dry season. You sent just what I needed, just when I needed it. And I want to stop and thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for a roof over my head, for transportation, for clothes on my back, for shoes on my feet. Hey, I thank you for the leaves. This is what separates us from every other tree in the world that don't have God. Every other tree in the world goes through seasons where not only does it not have fruit, but it don't even have leaves. People of God may have to wait on our fruitful season, but it don't matter what time of the year you find us. If you look up, you'll always see that we're covered. You'll always see the ministry of the leaves. His leaf also. Just, just the little blessings that we take for granted. That God, you, that God he, he gave you one person you can call. You know how many in the, people in the world desperately wish they had one person look at us some of us standing around depressed we got five people we could call that love us little blessings like the smile and face of your child it's not in any kind of brokenness or physical malady or an ICU ward just a smile and face of your little baby healthy and hungry little blessings like running water out of the sink y'all don't want to talk to me y'all don't want to talk to me I said little blessings like paved streets and mass transportation little blessings like a digestive system that works and knees that operate properly little blessings Little blessings like you took yourself to the bathroom this morning. You didn't need nobody to go in there and help you. I'm talking about little blessings. His leaf also. Blessings that we just, just disregard. I want to tell you sitting in this building, you are blessed. 
whether you've acknowledged it or not whether you see it or not whether you appreciate it or not you are some of the most blessed people on the face of God's green earth God's been good to you he's been merciful to you he's been kind to you he's been generous with you he's been gracious to you God has blessed you I said all that to say this. His least false shall not wither. Here's the crux. Here's the big full crock pot that you want to bring your bowl up here and just get two big ladles full of. And whatever. I'm sorry, I just want to preach so bad I can't hardly stand it. And whatever. He dreams. Whatever he plans. Whatever he thinks about. Whatever he does. Shall prosper. Notice the connection between doing and prospering your blessing is connected to you taking action you have to do something god does not bless inactivity you gotta give god something to bless God will not bless what you will not do. Now, believers across the globe and in this church tend to overestimate blessing and underestimate doing. We'll say it again on this side because this side looked at their shoes when I said it. I said people of God, people of faith, believers like you, we tend to overestimate the blessing and underestimate our doing. I got so mad a couple weeks ago. Lady met me out at my car and I was done preaching. I was about to get in the car and go home, Jesus. And, and she met me out there and she said, I, and, and I wasn't mad that she met me. I was mad because of what she asked. She met me out there and she said, I, do you have any anointing oil? I take anointing oil seriously because in the book of James, it's a New Testament tenant for the elders and leaders of the church to anoint the people of God with oil. It can bring healing. It can bring miracles. It can bring blessing. It can bring strength. And she said, do you have any anointing oil? I said, yes, ma'am, I do. And I was getting in my mode. And I was getting ready to speak over her and lay my hands on her in the name of Jesus and to declare God to bring whatever she was hoping for. And she pulled out a lotto ticket. I can't, I can't tell you what I thought she wanted a magic blessing 
She wanted to use God's power to work the world system and try to get a gimme from God and bypass all the other people that get up every day and they tithe and they give their offerings and they sow their seed and they come to church and they work hard every week for their money and they're slowly building and growing their finances. She wants God to bypass all them and cause his anointing to bless her numbers on her lotto ticket. Now some of y'all are quiet because you don't understand the problem with that. That's why I'm preaching this word. God is not into shortcuts and quick fixes. God said whatever he doeth shall prosper. But if you don't do it, God won't bless it. I said if you don't do it, God won't bless it. Blessing isn't as easy as we think it is. Oh, Jesus. I said blessing is not as easy as we think it is. Sometimes your miracle boils down to just a whole lot of hard work. But God's saying, if you will work it, I will bless it. I want to tell these people, if you will work it, I will bless. I want to tell these, if you will work it, I will bless. My wife and I had a small, tiny, marital marital dispute over bringing a new dog into the house I said baby we got a dog and two children at the time under the age of three years old I don't know if I can make it with a puppy in the house I stood firm in my convictions. I didn't yield in my position against the dog. And that Friday afternoon, there was a new dog in my house. I want to tell you, if she wasn't so beautiful and so kind, I would have won that battle, but... Have you seen the woman lately? My Lord Jesus. So anyway, the dog she gets is a black lab collie mix. You know anything about collies? They have a rolling ball of energy in themselves that just never turns off. And it wasn't so bad when she was a little puppy, but this dog has gotten huge in a short amount of time. And she loves to chew up all the furniture in the house. So when we leave or when we just want some peace and quiet, we got to tie the dog up in another room. We put it in a room that it can't mess nothing up in. And, and we, we close the door. And, and we latch it. We have a door with a latch. We just latch it. You just latch it. Now the dog is insane. 
Collies are herding dogs. So they like to be all around the family. They want to be nosy and into everything. They want to know what's going on. If they don't know what's going on, it drives them crazy on the inside. They have a desperate desire to be in the middle of anything that's going on. So the dog heard me and Katie and the kids in the living room playing. And it started pawing at the door. Well, nothing happened, but we had the door shut and latched. So then she started scratching. All the paint off my door. You can scratch away. It ain't going to do nothing. We'll just repaint it. Then this dog got so desperate that she backed up to the furthest end of the room and ran with everything she had. And threw her body front ways, paws first, into the door. But the paws broke the momentum. The spring in the legs, you know, it broke the momentum. It wasn't enough. So by now, I'm peeking through the crack of the door watching her. You're going to learn today. Strike me if I'm lying. She backs up. This time and runs towards the door and instead of going pause first she tilts her whole body sideways and boom against the door and when she ran with everything she had and threw her whole self into it her weight and momentum broke the door open now she cried for about three hours after that and I could tell that the impact bruised her up under her fur. But the desire in her to break through didn't mind being bruised a little bit to get what she wanted. And some of the reason that some Christians are not blessed is you've been pawing at the door and you've been scratching at the door, but you've never backed all the way up and thrown your whole self with everything you've got at that door. And if you'll throw your whole self at it, I don't care what the door is. If you'll throw your whole self at it, God will. I said God will. And said, God will. Yeah! There was a lady in the Bible, a widow. She was gathering her last couple of sticks. About to make her last meal. She had run out of food and there was a famine. She's getting a little bit of sticks. She's getting them together. She's going to take them, make her and her boy last little bit she had, and die. And then the prophet showed up. And he said, uh, go and do what you're doing, but uh, first, uh, make me a little bit of cake. The prophet represented the temple and the nation's faith. What he was really saying is, feed the ministry first. I said, feed the ministry of the word first and then go and do of you and said why that just sounds like more work yeah the blessing is in the doing the blessing is in the working
The blessing is in the sweating. The blessing is in the action. The blessing is in the doing. What if she would have said, I ain't doing it. Then God would have said, I ain't blessing it. But she did it. And when she did it, when she fed God first, God blessed her barrel and it didn't run dry. God blessed her oil and it never failed. God blessed her family and she had more than enough. She did it and God blessed whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Your blessing is tied to you doing it. Another, you had another woman, she's, this is where I feel so many people are at, and I feel you. But it's wrong if I feel you and I hold back what will really help you. What kind of doctor would I be if you came and I ran tests and you had cancer? And I didn't tell you about the cancer, I just said, just go home, take an aspirin, be all right. That's what so many of our leaders are doing to us. They won't tell us what to do to cut out the problem. There was a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. She couldn't stop bleeding, and she spent everything she had on physicians, and she grew not better, but worse. And she heard Jesus was passing by, and she was desperate, desperate for a miracle. And some of you, you're desperate for a miracle. But being desperate isn't enough. She had to do something. So she said to herself, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. She made her way through the crowd and there were too many people there. Her lack of strength to stand and move through the crowd knocked her to the floor. And she had to crawl her way through a crowd. Getting stepped on, getting kicked, getting looked over. But she crawled her way and made her way to Jesus, reached out her hand and grabbed the hem of his garment. And the blessing was in the doing. God cannot bless what you will not do. In Malachi chapter 3, God gives us a process for maintaining His supernatural blessing in our life. And yet, this is one of the areas that Christians are fought in their consistency. He said, bring all the tithe. All the tithe. Into the storehouse, into the church. That there may be strength, nutrients, food in the church. In other words, God said, feed my body and I'll bless yours. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. And he said, and prove me if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. See, we have it backwards. We want God to give us the blessing. And then we'll give to God. God said, no, the blessing is in the doing. You bring the tithe. Then I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive. The enemy will fight you over this 
He can't stop the blessing from being active. He can't stop God from blessing you. So he'll try to seduce you to build blessing blockers, to build up a dam that stops the flow of the blessing towards your life. And this is process. The tithe and the offering are process. And your progress financially is tied to the process God has set up. It's time for many of us to repent before the Lord. Go home and calculate what all of the tithe is and begin to faithfully, consistently bring it to the house of God. This isn't something that I'm talking about that you do once a month. This is something that as you receive increase, wherever the increase comes from, you immediately take 10% off of the top and you say, God, I lift this up to you in obedience and I honor you with this and I receive the supernatural abundance of blessing that comes from being a tither. I am blessed. Shout it. I am blessed. And then the tithe does something marvelous. And I'm teaching this part. I'm teaching this part. Because of that lady in the lotto ticket. Excuse me for the language. Well, I won't even say that. I, I'll stay pastoral. I was going to use a word for your enlightenment, but I would be a very poor leader. I'll say it like that. That's cleaner, wasn't it? You know what I was going to say, don't you? I'd be a poor leader. If I didn't teach you this principle, in Malachi 3, 10, God tells his people to try him. He's, first of all, he tells them that they've robbed him. Because you're a part of the body of Christ, whether you like it or not. There ain't nobody that's saved that's not a part of the body of Christ. And the tithes and offerings are God's instituted system to feed the body, to give the body energy, to enable it to go out into the world and be the hands and feet of Jesus. And as a believer, you have a responsibility that the scripture, not a man, that the scripture places on you to be a faithful tither and a giver of offerings. In Malachi, he said tithes and offerings. <clears throat> and it feeds the church. And God says to people who will feed his body, he says, I'll feed you. I'll bless you. I'll pour it out on you. But then the other piece of that is that he says, he says, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you don't have room enough to receive. Let me get my glasses on. I can't see nothing. There won't be room enough to receive it. Next verse, verse 11. I will now here the pour out the blessing that you don't have room enough to receive. That's the tithe, right? That's the tithe benefit. Here's the offering benefit. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Listen to me. There's, some, there's a principle in the Bible called seed faith. Everybody say seed faith. Say it again. Seed faith. <clears throat> this is where it's not the tithe. That belongs to God. <clears throat> but a seed is for you. It means you're wanting something from God. You're praying for something. You're believing God for something. And you take money and transfer it into spiritual seed. And you plant it into God's kingdom. Believing for a harvest. And Jesus taught about this. He taught about the sower that sows seed. And the crop yields. It's sown in the natural through money. 
and it's received in the spirit and then it comes back to the natural in harvest form some 30 times, some 60 times, some 100 times what was sown. So we have taught, it's a biblical, scriptural principle that when you have a need in your life, when you have something that won't move and you bring a seed and you, you name the seed, God, this is what I'm believing for. You, you wrap it in faith in a prayer request and you sow it into the kingdom of God. That God will cause a harvest supernaturally to come back to you and bless the seed. Now, people are largely selfish in their giving. And they give because of all of the biblical promises tied to giving. But people that give seeds... Lord, I'm praying for this and I'm, I'm giving a thousand dollars or I'm giving a $500 seed or a hundred dollar seed. They give seeds, but they don't tithe. And the problem with giving seeds without tithing is there's a devourer. The devourer there is translated literally seed eater. So if you've been sowing and you're saying, Lord, this just isn't working for me. I'm not seeing the return in my life on the seeds that I'm sowing. It may be because you haven't given God the permission to rebuke the devourer, the seed eater, by faithfully bringing the tithe. The tithe is obedience. The offering is sacrifice. But the scripture says in the word of God in the book of 1 Samuel that obedience is better than sacrifice. So you start with the obedience of faithfully bringing the tithe. And then when you run up to a wall in your life and you need a miracle from God, you come in in faith saying, God, I am in covenant with you by my tithe. I believe in your word. I believe what you have spoken. And you said, whatsoever we do will prosper. So today I am planting this seed in the fertile soil of the kingdom of God, of which I am a covenant partner with. And I am believing you for a supernatural return in my life. And then, when the devourer has been rebuked, then that's when you have the opportunity to take in your harvest, to take in your harvest. One more thing about finances, one more thing about harvest. When the farmer plants the seed, it's a lot of work. He's got to till up the ground. That's work. He's got to go gather the large seed bags and go into the field. That's work. He's got to sow the seed. That's work. He's got to water the seed. That's work. It is labor to sow a seed in the kingdom of God because you worked for your money, didn't you? We ain't got no trust fund babies in here, do we? You work for your money, raise your hand. You work hard for your money. You labored to gather the seed to have to sow it, right? So you sow in labor. But in our minds, we think, well, I got to work to sow, but uh, when I reap, it's just heaven's going to rain down gold dust and diamonds on me. No. No, never happened. You have to go out into the harvest field and put as much labor into gathering the harvest as you did into sowing. In other words, let me give you a, a primitive example. It might, it might work like this. You sow a seed for more business. 
And instead of working eight-hour days, God sends you so much business, you have to work 16-hour days. More blessing, yes, but also more work. So before you start messing with this and playing with God, you need to ask yourself the question, how bad do you want to be blessed? Because you start playing with this process, this system of God, God will wreck your world with opportunity. God will have so many rivers flowing into you, you don't know which one to take. I should have told Del Rico about all the trouble and difficulties this thing would cause before he sowed that seed. Don't think sowing a seed and you're just going to sit back in a recliner. Reaping is working. Now what I'm trying to do is drive the lazy spirit out of this church. I'm not going to get off the point because I'm chasing something. Those of you that want to sit on your rear end and mooch off somebody else and throw a 20 on the altar and expect God to bless you, that is not how this works. God will bless what you do. He will bless the seed, but reaping looks like working. If you don't want to work, get out of it. If you don't want to labor, get out of it. If you don't want to sweat, get out of it. If you don't want to roll up your sleeves and put your hand to the plow, it will not work for you. Don't you bring me no more lotto tickets. I've not been called to anoint those. But I have been called to anoint and pray over your seed. I have been called to challenge you in your tithing, in your offering, in giving into the kingdom of God. And that's what I've come to do today as you stand to your feet. The blessing is on you. The blessing is on you. The knowledge is on you. You've been taught. You understand. Now what you do with it, it's on you. Father, for every person in here that's hurting, I pray that the balm of Gilead will bind their broken heart together and that they would be strengthened in their heart and their spirit by your word. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would overwhelm every sinner and backslider and cause them to come to the knowledge that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. So we confess corporately right now, Jesus is Lord and Lord now for their prosperity for the free flow of your blessing in their life I pray you would convict every person to the core principle of bringing all the tithe I pray that it would be a discipline and a practice that they regularly engage in in response and obedience to your word in Jesus name